Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 100. We are discussing the CJ Cup on the PGA Tour and the Open de France on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have Golf Betting System's European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve. How's things? Very good, thank you. Very good indeed. Good. And for our 100th show, our centenary show, it's a warm welcome to to podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan. Good morning, Barry. Morning, guys. Morning, Barry. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, good to be here on the 100th show. Congrats, guys. Um, big achievement. Yeah, 100 shows, though, guys. Whoever thought we'd get there. Not too far now to the hundred uh, to the thousandth show, is it really? If you think it through, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We keep plugging away, mate. Keep plugging away. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Naturally, we're available on social media. You can join our golf betting system Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Over five thousand members of that, by the way. Uh, Paul's available at Golf Betting on Twitter. I'm at Bamford Golf. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. CJ Cup is already out there and available on YouTube. This podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast. There's Google Podcasts. It's everywhere and on YouTube. Right. I asked last week for a review and we kindly received a very lovely review from Conbo. He's in the United Kingdom. Combo, thank you for your time and your effort. It's uh, given us a boost on our centenary show. I'll read out what he has to say, gentlemen. Brilliant knowledge and tools for betting on golf. That's the title. Five stars. Great knowledge about each tournament and any players mentioned. Love listening to each podcast and retrieving the important information needed to be successful at betting on any golfing week. Every Tuesday, I can't wait to hear another podcast with insightful knowledge from Paul, from Barry, and from Steve. So that is fantastic. Thank you for that uh, review. Much appreciated. Yeah, thanks, Combo. It's always nice to hear positive feedback like that. And uh, if you've got any other kind of feedback, uh, you know, not just about um, the uh, you know about general content of what we talk about both on the site and also on the podcast then then do let us know and uh, it will help shape how we take these things forward over over the next year in 2020 absolutely couldn't agree more and those reviews very very important just for the to give Apple Podcasts, iTunes effectively, just to give them the uh, thumbs up to the podcast. I mm. think that they do use those rankings and the scores uh, in terms of uh, being able to then highlight certain podcasts for um, a, a more pre- preferential treatment when it comes to just highlighting them on listings. Right, okay. Shall we crack on about last week's golf? Um mm. We had the Houston Open on the PGA Tour. We also had the Italian Open. I did watch quite a lot of the Italian Open last week, and I thought the course, Paul, was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it was a cracker, wasn't it? Really, really good. A re- really good Stretching, test. wasn't it? Stretch. It it just reminded me of Wentworth. It really did, but actually a little bit longer. It was a bit longer, yeah. And We, we talked in the podcast last week about whether they'd play it to its full 
length, um, which on the card was, was over 7,500 yards. And, and they pretty much did. It was, um, they, they didn't really rein it back at all. So it was a, it was a stretching test, but equally it was still about quality ball striking. And, you know, with the likes of Matt Fitzpatrick up there again, who's not the longest hitter by any stretch, um, but uh, relying on his uh, tee to green game to get himself heavily in the mix again. Um, clearly, it was a, a course that wasn't just about um, uh, just about bombing, and it wasn't a course that uh, it was a course that tested every facet of a, a player's game. So uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. And Viesberger again, third win of the season. He was massively impressive, wasn't he? On on Sunday in particular, the putter is red hot with Viesberger at the moment. Very very impressive. And um, fourth. Runner-up finish for Matt Fitzpatrick as well. He's got to be getting a bit, uh, a bit frustrated with how his season's going. It's, um, it's just not all panned out as Matt would have wanted, really, is it this year? It's, um, yeah, not in the win, but I mean, he's clearly, you know, he's in. Is he a career high on the official world golf rankings? I read this week. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's well, heading he's in the right direction, isn't he? Isn't he? Yeah, and I think that that uh, him him working with Billy Foster is going to going to reap rewards in the long term. But uh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not as if he's throwing these tournaments away either. He's been generally beaten by a very strong performance on on a Sunday. And I, I read that Viesberger was plus circa five putts, uh, five five strokes putting on Sunday, which um, is outstanding. And for a player like Viesberger, who we've seen around the European Tour circuit for a number of years, who's you know, he's a, he's a tough player. He's a good ball striker, um, but not generally the best putter. His putting since he's come back from his injury has been outstanding, and it's been the real difference between where he was up to that point in his career and uh, these three wins that he's achieved since. Two of which have been at the Rolex Series events, which are which are huge for his uh, mm. his points and his uh, his rankings. So yeah, putting last week for Wiesberg at one point um, six zero in old money for putting average and 100, 106 putts total for the week, which led the field. So really, really impressive. Another eye catcher last week was uh, Graham McDowell, and it's a hell of a shame that he's not playing in the Open de France this week because he absolutely loves the golf national. But um, he looked good last week. G Mac putting was good. His driving was good. Um, Green's regulation slightly off, I and mean, if he finds that um, find those irons, then I think he's going to be getting back close to to winning another tournament very soon. So, yeah, but as you say, enjoyed it. It was a good uh, good event over in Italy. Barry, you're like- you're 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 a course connoisseur, Barry. I I find it difficult. You have got the Italian Open that gets played on some really nice stretching golf courses. And then you've got the Scottish Open that's been played at some golf courses that just don't do it any favours whatsoever. I don't know. I don't know what that's all about, really. The rotor of courses the Scottish Open has used over recent years has been pretty poor, in my opinion. Devalues yeah, I, the tournament. I wonder if it's money talks. You know, a few of the choices have seemed financially tilted. Maybe oh. it's just a, a theory. Um, was it the Renaissance they had it on this year? Yeah, yeah. It's like a pitch and putt. But again, you see, look, it's when it comes to courses in Scotland and Ireland that have that, and let's say the Renaissance is kind of a, a faux links. You know, the courses in Scotland and Ireland, if the wind isn't blowing, that's their defence, mm. and mm, they're course. just going to get taken apart by these guys. Mm. They're just so good, yeah. you know. So, um, yeah, the Italian Open, the course looked beautiful, and. Um, 
Great. I particularly like that par five where they were all having a rip at it with driver off the deck, like uh, Robert McIntyre yeah. or Bob McIntyre. Oh, Robert McIntyre. That was amazing watching those shots. Like hell of a shot. That's, just shame he didn't finish the uh, finish it off with the part on that par five. But uh, the, the yeah. driver off the deck, as you say, was absolutely outstanding, wasn't it? And that's Great and shot. that's not a shot you see that often. So when you have a course that kind of um, brings out shots like that, it just it really kind of lights it lights it up for me um so yeah look i just wanted to say on gmac like it's remarkable for somebody so relatively short uh, off the tee how well he plays really long golf courses it's just um it's unbelievably impressive I don't know how he does it uh yeah some talent yeah talking yeah. of gmac i'm just thinking out here loud here gents we're coming up to Mayakoba soon on the PGA Tour. Oh, it's his auto win. Auto win. <laughs> yeah. If he plays that, it's, he's going to be very, very tempting, isn't he? Because he's yeah. playing in Korea this week. I don't know if he's in the Zozo next week in Japan. But, you know, at the coast on a short golf course, he, he might be a must back in a few weeks' time at that um, OHL Classic on the PGA Tour if he plays it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the one. That's the one he won previously. I'll take him. Yeah, I think twenty fifteen. Yeah, mm. he beat. Um, I think it was Knox in a playoff. Yeah, and he's clearly he got won. form. He's clearly got a history of performing, repeat performing yeah. on the same tracks, isn't he? Well, uh, yes, is it? He he won that Corrales Championship this year, didn't he? That alternate event, which was on like a seven thousand seven hundred yard golf course, going back to Barry's point, yeah. but it was by the coast, and he and he shot down the field in that. Mm. I think that was forty or fifty to one. He won that. Yeah, yeah one to keep an eye on. I think. Definitely. Yeah, McDowell. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's 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 uh, he was clearly playing some very nice golf last week. Right. Okay. Let's uh, let, let's start. We'll start with the French Open, Paul. I think. Let, let's move forward to that now. With the French Open, of course, we've got a scenario where it's it's having a, what appears to be a bit of a Ryder Cup hangover. Um, always one of the prestigious Rolex series events on the European Tour. And before then, it was always clearly the National Open of France, always a prestigious, decent field. But this year around, loss of the Rolex series, a much reduced prize fund and the field quality. When this, you know, when you've got the French Open basically on a head-to-head with the CJ Cup, where they're offering almost $9 million over in South Korea on a no-cut 78-man of field. Um, a lot of players that could have been playing this week in France have caught the plane across to South Korea. Yeah, yeah, it has certainly... Uh, there's a combination of factors, isn't there, that um, have kept the field quality down this week, but that's certainly one. I and mean, You've got this stretch now of um, this week's event and then the Portugal Masters next week before we head to the WGC... Um, in China, and then you've got the three final, what were the final series events for the European Tour, the three Rolex series events, which uh, culminates at the Earth Course. So um, I guess players looking at how they're going to manage their next month's worth of golf or five weeks' worth of golf have probably taken this um, week and looked at it and thought, well, that's that's one that I can miss, and potentially next week as well. Although next week will hold a different level of uh, interest because you'll have the players that, won't get access to these final big money events who desperately need to save their card before the end of the, the European Tour season. So for all intents and purposes, next week will be last chance saloon for 
for a good number of players who are looking to get themselves into the top 110 on the European Tour uh, to secure their card for next year. So um, different objectives, I guess. But yeah, it, it has dragged the quality of the field down. There's no one here from the world top 50 this week in the um, French Open field, which for an event, as you say, which was a Rolex series event and you know, clearly the Ryder Cup venue last year as well. It's... Um, it's yeah. a little disappointing, it has to be said. But even so, I think from a betting perspective, there's uh, there's plenty to get our teeth into. Um, and um, yeah, I, I guess if you look at the market, Alex Noren heading at 12 to 1. Um, defending champion, there's uh, there's plenty of people who all fancy Noren because below that, the, the field does thin out really quite quickly. Eric Van Royen's the second favourite, 14 to 1. Um, now that Mike Lorenzo Vera has withdrawn, that's put so uh, has elevated Van Royen up to the uh, up to second position. With with Vera, it was his neck. He tweeted yesterday that he had a problem with, so he's, he's a late withdrawal. Um, but yeah, that's put Van Royen at second favorite, fourteen to one. Yost Loughton, eighteen to one. Yost Yost was toast last week after after the first round, wasn't he? He, he read him read him back to fifties, and um, he looked really good in the first round. I, and you, you messaged me after his interview in the first round, Steve, and said, he, you know, he looks good, he's talking well, seems confident. And uh, I had to agree wholeheartedly the, at that point. The, the putter went ice cold again, didn't it? did, yeah. I, well, his driving wasn't great, um, which had been really strong. And that did have a knock-on effect on his uh, his iron play, on his, well, his greens and regulation performance. But yes, his short game and his putting wasn't uh, wasn't where it needed to be to, to have performed on that track. And... Yeah, wholly disappointing after a decent start, but he's he's clearly been locked down to eighteen to one this week on the back of um, a, a reduced um, field in terms of field strength. So um, so yeah, if you fancy Yost to overcome what happened last week, then eighteen to one's your reward. Matthias Schwab eighteen to one, Thomas Peters twenty to one, and then then into the likes of Jordan Smith at twenty two. Marcus Kinholt, um, twenty-eight to one, and Thomas Detry, thirty-five to one, forty to one bar. Those seven in the market, or eight in the market that I've just read through there. And um, just point of note, it's only a t- one hundred and twenty-man field, but three bookies have gone eight places each way, a fifth of the odds this week. They are Paddy Power, Betfair, and Boyle Sports. So if you're having a bet on this event. Check their prices out because if they're the same price as the player that you're going to back elsewhere, um, and you're getting eight places instead of five or six or even seven, then, then clearly you could be uh, shooting yourself in the foot by not using these guys. If you've not got a Paddy or a Betfair or a Boyle Sports account, then pop along to the Sykes. We've got all of the uh, new account offers listed on there for those three bookmakers, and there's some decent prices with those guys this week as well. They're not um, not just cutting the. Um, prices to uh, to squeeze in those extra places as well, so well worth a look. Um, onto the track, the Golf National. We know all about it, don't we? Ryder Cup venue last year. It's been played for this event for a number of years. Tough old track, seven thousand two hundred forty-five yard past seventy-one stadium course. The focus is generally on tee to green excellence. Lots of water in play, and generally a tough track, as we said. Your short game needs to be particularly sharp here as well. Um, one thing to note this week, the weather, going back to pre- previous renewals when it's been held earlier in the summer, I mean, last year when they played it, it was kind of 80 Fahrenheit, sunshine. 
get your uh, get your shorts and your uh, your sunglasses out. But this year it's going to be completely different. Cool temperatures, sub sixty Fahrenheit, raining, um, potentially for the first three days on and off. 15 mile an hour winds as well, maybe gusting 20 or so. So it's going to be a tough, tough test this week on a track that's already pretty testing in terms of its uh, characteristics anyway. Gentlemen, does that does that shout Northern Europeans to you from a from a punting perspective? Yeah. Yeah, if you, it's just on instinct alone when the weather gets like that, it just, yeah. Somebody from the British Isles or Scandinavia feels like... Um, they'd fit those conditions and be able to mentally handle them a bit better. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It it holds some logic, doesn't it? Because clearly the guys that have had more experience playing in those kind of conditions will, um, will be more readily suited to it. It was interesting going back. One of the players, one of the players I didn't pick was Matthew Southgate. Um, And going back to his performance at, um, the Dunhill links. He talks quite extensively about um, being a field player who needs it to be a certain temperature so that his hands are warm enough to be able to feel the shots that he's playing. And um, he really tightened up, if you remember, at the Dunhill links on the Sunday when it was quite chilly, um, and particularly on and around the greens where he just couldn't get that feel into his hands and into the game to uh, to allow him to play the shots that he needed to play. Um, and he would have been one who was very close to my list for this week. But looking at the forecast, with it being wet, with it being quite cool, I suspect he will have a similar kind of scenario this week where um, it may well impact how he wants to be able to play the game. Um, and that may be something to look for, look for with Matthew Southgate going forward because this kind of track, this kind of exposed open track, really does suit him. You know, he's a great links player as well. Um, but uh, perhaps it needs a little bit more... Uh, fair weather to be uh, to be in in contention for this kind of uh, tournament. Interesting point, I thought. And I, I guess the point with all of this is that a forecast like that is likely to keep the score down on a track where scoring's generally quite um, quite high in terms of uh, relative to par, anyway. So um, let's I'll just take you through the recent winners. They're going back to twenty ten. Um, they're winning scores and prices because it does tell a. Tell a story. Uh, going back to 2010, Miguel Angel Jimenez won at 11 under par at 80 to 1. Thomas Levey the year after at 7 under, 140 to 1 that year before he jumped in the uh, jumped in the water and uh, busted his ankle, I think, didn't he, after that uh, after that win. Um, Marcel Siem won the year after, 8 under at 70 to 1. GMAC won twice under Trot in 2013-2014 at 9 under and 5 under, respectively, 25 to 1 and 12 to 1 were the prices for those two years. Bernd Wiesberger in 2015 at 13 under. That's the um, deepest um, uh, deepest score relative to par that we've had in this event over that stretch that I'm talking through. Now 33 to 1 he was that year, Wiesberger. Tom Chai Jai the year after 11 under at 66 is Tommy Fleetwood at 12 under. At twenty-two to one in twenty seventeen, and Alex Noren last year seven under par from sixteen at uh, sixteen to one. So prices ranging from sixteen through to one hundred and forty, but there's there's a nice sweet spot in there around about sixty-six, seventy, eighty to one, where a few of the uh, winners have popped in at, and with winning scores ranging from five under to a maximum of thirteen under. Clearly, it's not a course where players can. Um, 
can really get away with the scoring and, and, and you know, it's, it's certainly not a birdie fest by any stretch of the imagination, particularly with the forecast that we're seeing this week, which I think will keep a lid on scoring for the four days. Sunday looks slightly better, Sunday looks slightly drier, um, although it's going to be the coldest of the four days by the looks of it. So um, I, don't, I just don't think it's going to be um, particularly pleasant out there for the guys. So, so yeah, I suspect um, a, a winning score approaching... Eight nine under par is probably going to be the right kind of number. I'd have thought. Grind City. Yeah, that feels okay. about right to me. Who are you backing them? Well, I mean, some of it's been based on for based based on some of the stats that you see from the winners here. So, whilst the incoming form for all the players who I just listed has been fairly indifferent, all of them did have a top ten in their oh sorry a top fifteen in their last ten starts. So that's a factor. Twelve of the fourteen winners here are the top twenty five previously as well. So that's another factor I think is worth considering. The one that really blows out of the water is Tommy Fleetwood, who won in 2017 off the back of four straight missed cuts. So um, if you're selecting purely based on players who've got some course form, then um, you would have missed Tommy Fleetwood, um, who was playing well at the time, but clearly um, just eyeballing his form here would have been pretty, pretty um, uh, would have put you straight off him. I mean, for me, it needs a kind of player who's, um, as you said, is going to be um, ready for a grind. You need to be hitting your irons well. You need to have a sharp, sharp, short game. And it has that kind of inland links association, this track. This and um, Do- Doha for the Qatar Masters, both of them have that kind of um, connotations of linksy style play. Um, and certainly you see linksy type players that um, have come to the fore here over the years so um, those aspects have shaped the, the way that I've taken it this week I've ended up with four players overall and uh, the first of whom is Marcus Kinholt the Swede at 28 to 1 I backed him with Paddy Power um, eight places each way fifth of the odds for Kinholt um, he had a great chance to win this last year I don't know if you remember he led by two going into the weekend he led by two going into Sunday um, and he was a tall maiden at the time. He limped home in '76. Um, he was fifth in the end behind Alex Noren, and um, you know that kind of thing can be a bit of a blow to a player. But equally, and we mentioned it just a few seconds ago, sometimes it's part of the learning process, and uh, you know, players need to fail before they can go ahead to win. He finished third in Qatar prior to that, so there was again this kind of Qatar. Um, France link there fifth here both of them hinted that he would go well on linksy style tracks in the future and uh, lo and behold he won the British Masters at Hillside earlier this year off the back of some pretty indifferent form as to be said in, in the run up to that and um, no top 10 since that point but there's been some proper hints of form he shot 64 to close in Gothenburg um, at the Swedish Invitation pair of 65s to close at Cranstall Sierra as well so a couple of decent uh, decent final rounds um, which encourages 66 he opened with at the Dunhill Links so that was a decent spot after the first day 67 on Friday last week at the Italian Open was eye-catching given that it was played on a track which I don't really think plays massively to his strengths um, his irons looked good last week and I think ultimately this is a weak field. He's got the chance to exercise his demons from last year. Um, and another player joining this multiple winners club for the season um, wouldn't be a surprise whatsoever because you know, we had the likes of Bern Fiesberg, who's won three times now, hasn't he? Um, Guido Migliozzi has won a couple of times. Um, there's two or three others who've, uh, who've all got into this kind of multiple 
winners club for the season. I think excluding Kirk players, armor, yeah, Kirk, Kirk yeah, Kirk, Kirk's another one. These these players who've um, excluding players because you think well they've got their win for the season they're just going to down tools. I don't think it's working like that at the moment. I think you're seeing players who are hungry, know they're playing good golf, and so who are well capable of securing a second win or multiple wins on the tour for the season. So, um, so yeah, Kinholt's my top pick. And actually, the logic there flows through to my second pick as well, which is Ryan Fox. Um, and again, it's been a breakthrough season for Fox as well. He finished sixth in Saudi earlier in the year. Then he won the Super Six to get that first European Tour win. And again, like Kinholt, he's been right off the boil since that point. Um Although there's been a few signs of life since then, um, is uh, the kind of player that again we talked about Linksy Linksy tracks and uh, he's got bags of Linksy form. So it's no real surprise to see him start to bounce back to form um, when he hit the the Links tracks earlier this season. So third after day one at Port Rush, um, ended up that week actually with his best major finish of his career today. Fifth at the Daniel Links going into the weekend a few weeks back. Um, fell away towards the end of it, but again, it's just it hadn't been contending for a number of weeks, so it was no surprise really to see these the guys who are in that kind of position to uh, to start to fall away after they've put a couple of rounds in. But uh, clearly building up to something because 18th last week in Italy, and again, like you know, on a far less suitable track, is really quite encouraging. Um, he's played this event twice, or played the track twice. Both times he's hit 75% of greens in regulation, which is absolutely bang on the number you need to be achieving to put yourself in the mix here. Um, finished sixth on debut in 2017. And um, the, ring, the reason he didn't push on further than 44th last year was that his short game was uh, was poor on the week. His short game last week, wherever, however, was uh, was looking really, really strong in Italy. So if he can marry that all together this week, I think Ryan Fox could have a good, good week. And don't forget, it's going to be quite wet out there. It's going to be the course is going to be quite playing quite long, relatively long to how it's played in the past in in drier times. So a player with the with with the power of Ryan yeah. Fox could that'll be, make those. Those very thin fairways, just a little bit wider potentially will, for yeah. a player like Fox. Yeah, yeah, it'll make it play a little bit wider. It'll play, make it play a little bit longer as well. And um, you're going to need to be able to pick up your your shots wherever you can around this track. So, uh, so yeah, that's it. Can help Peter Peter Uline's come very close around here in the past, and someone who's flagrant off the tee with immense power. So there's no reason mm. someone like Fox, who's kind of in that mould, wouldn't follow that logic. Yeah, absolutely. And again, if you go back to this kind of links link for this particular track, then yeah. he's got a great, great record on linksy tracks last season over the uh, the, the links um, uh, swing before the Open Championship. He, I think, he finished sixth and second um, at the two at the Irish and the Scottish. So there's there's a lot to like about uh, the way that he plays um, tracks that are open and exposed and. Uh, and I'd say if it, if it's one that then demands a little bit more power as well as I think this one will this week, then I think he could be right in his elements. So that sneaky incoming form, which doesn't look great, um, but I think he's far better under the surface than it actually looks. I think he he could go well at sixty to one. Um, I've got him in a double with another player, which I'll talk through after you've gone through your tips, Steve, because I know he's someone that features on your. Radar this week, but to finish my outright selections, I've gone for two players, eighty to one. First one's Young and Wang, the South Korean. Uh, um, I mean, compared to a lot of the players in this field, 
He's got a far, far stronger CV. Three European Tour wins. There's a lot of players in this field above him in the betting who have um, no European Tour wins and no career wins, some of them. Um, and uh, there's a number of journeymen who, who uh, are taking up a place in the betting above a guy who's won three times in the European Tour. Um, three or two of those have been on, uh, on tough tests. Five under, one with the uh, Trophy Hassan Dur in Morocco in 2016. Six under the week after in Mauritius, your memory burst onto the scene from the Asian Tour and won in two consecutive weeks to wrap up his card and to, to really send a signal out that he was a force to be reckoned with. He won the Qatar Masters last year, and again, this kind of link between Qatar and um, Linksy tracks and the Open to France, I think uh, I think is one worth following. Um, and since that point, he's been right off the boil. Five top tens in 80 starts over overall. Fell outside the world's top 50. It was uh, it looked like the career was on a serious slide, but, um, but some signs of life recently. Two of those top fives actually come in his last three starts. So fifth at the Dunhill Links, 10th in Italy last week, um, 64 on Saturday last week, tied the very best round of the week. So that was positive. And he led into the weekend here in 2016 on debut before falling away. He was second going into Sunday that week as well. So he's got some course form. He's got some current form. And he's clearly got the ability to grind on the tough tracks. And yeah. I felt six, uh, sorry, 80 to 1 is the price that I got yesterday. And uh, I know he's been nibbled in a little bit. But um, even so, there's still some decent enough prices out there about Wang to go well this week. Um, final pick, Soren Kjeldsen, 80 to 1. Um, and another player who can handle tough conditions is Soren. And um, I think he's another one who could go well this week around this track if conditions are as they're forecast to be, which uh, should keep the scoring down to a, to a minimum. Um, Glenn Eagles, he won in 2003 at 9 under. Val in 2008 at 8 under. You remember him winning in a playoff at Royal County Down at two under in 2015, which is his last career win. So three sub double figure under par winning performances. And I think that's bang on where we will need to be this week if he's going to be in the mix. Um, nine top 20 finishes here at the Gulf National from 18 starts over the years. So he's got a top 20 wow. in 50% of his starts. That's good, solid stuff. Um, mm. And whilst... He fell away last week in Italy. He went out in the third final group um, on Sunday. So he played some great golf up to that point. He was out alongside eventual winner Bernd Wiesberger. And um, Wiesberger outscored him by 11 shots in total on Sunday. So while Wiesberger was lifting the trophy, uh, Kjeldsen was uh, was heading off to, to the range to do some work on his game. But um, sometimes that kind of uh, situation, that kind of experience can really galvanise a player where they've kind of stood back and thought, you know, that's that's how to win a tournament. That's how to take this position three groups back, three groups back or third group back on a Sunday, go out, shoot yourself a bogey free 65 and win a golf tournament. And sometimes that can uh, can really help to focus a player's mind. And um, yeah, I, I think in this relatively weak field and in a track that clearly has performed well on in the past and uh, in grinding conditions, I think Kjeldsen can uh, can go well this week. So yeah, they're my four. Kjeldsen, Young and Wang, Ryan Fox, Marcus Kinholt for me. Anyone you fancy, Barry? I, I do like the Kjeldsen shouts very good and um, yeah, particularly linking it back to Royal County Down because that mm. was... Um, 
that was a tough tournament in terms of it was, it, yeah. the weather conditions. So he's um he's got that grinding ability and look it's 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 easy for your score like in the final group like when he's playing with Wiesberger, it's easy for your score to just start slipping and melting away when the other guy's going well and you just miss a couple of opportunities and you just feel like the whole world's against you or the game you know it's gone against you and it's, you know um he's too good a player for that to kind kind of uh, get him down he'll just be like okay go again and uh yeah he'll fancy it here he's got a great record so yeah, yeah. good shout um, I've got. Should we say? Should we say it in tandem, Baron? I know, yeah, we, yeah, I know who you're going to say because I've just backed him literally as, as Paul was talking. Yeah, okay, on three, one, two, three, Shinquin. Callum Shinquin. <laughs> yeah. So he's he's um, he had a couple of withdrawals there a few weeks back, but um, you know his last two outings he's been tenth uh, and fifth, and uh, showing some good stuff. He is uh, leading strokes gained off the tee on the European Tour, so that's going to help this week a lot. Um, put him in good position to to just get the greens in regulation, which I think will be a, a key factor this week because that uh, you know, hit more greens, it means you're having to do an awful lot less scrambling, and it's uh, which is a tough ask around this this uh, course. So, um, yeah, I thought he was a nice enough price and, uh, yeah, had a little pop of that. And more importantly, Paul's not on him, so he's not jinxed, which is great. Yeah, no, it's um, good. It's I, I, was on him, uh, I was on him a couple of weeks back when he withdrew yeah. in Spain, wasn't it? He withdrew from... The way that this reverse logic works, Barry, is that Paul tipped him up for the Spanish Open. He withdrew and he mm-hmm. will win this week. <laughs> That's exactly how it works. Yeah, I, so, I like yeah, a lot. I, I there's could, there's probably a lot to it. I a quid on, on Shinkwin each way with uh, our friends at Paddy Power who are doing this generous eight places each way offer this week. Yeah, that's that's uh, having eight places is superb in a short field. So um, mm. just, just a thought on the Open to France uh, and how and why I guess it lost its... Um, the elite status, you know, the Rolex series status. Th- yeah. Th- this course is a, a brute and it seems to divide the players. There's some who, I don't think you'll find many that say they absolutely adore the place or they'll be in the minority. And uh, a lot of them just, uh, they wouldn't be massive fans of it. It's just a really tough golf course. And I wonder, well, you know, it seemed to be a factor in the field strength never being incredible even when it was a Rolex series event because it just struggled to attract all the players I think it might be just because the course is so hard um, is it like it feels a bit like the Honda Classic in America where they play it at PJ National and they're very similar golf courses aren't they and a lot that's a very Marmite kind of field you get a couple of good players and then the rest are not interested at all over mm. at the Honda Classic yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's tough golf isn't it it's hard golf yeah, yeah. I, I suppose another angle is they're trying to, they definitely want to promote golf in Italy as well. So, you know, it, it, the, the Open to France could have suffered at the hands of the Ryder Cup going to Italy in a few years. So the European Tour yeah. are trying to push golf in Italy. They elevate the yeah. Italian Open to Rolex Series. And, you know, that, that seems like a, a logical enough reason to uh, for, for things yeah. to have happened the way they have. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose a number of players, a lot of players thrive on momentum, don't they? And if you go to a course where it's tough and, you know, they players feel that their momentum is being stifled or halted by grinding for pars rather than making birdies, then 
perhaps it, they feel it can impact them. But uh, but yeah, equally, some players absolutely relish a, mm. a, a tough test. And um, I'll go back to Graham McDowell. You know, it's a real shame that he's not playing this week because he, he clearly adores playing on this track and um, it plays right to his strengths. And uh, yeah, it's. Um, Today we'll see. We'll see how it pans out this week. But um, I think it will be a tough test, and I think it will beat a few players up. So, so perhaps that will put a few more off for next year's renewal as well. You mentioned to me last week a real horse for a course who's at hundred and fifty to one. Uh, Maximilian Kiefer. Max Kiefer. He does like it tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've looked at Kiefer. His incoming forms just uh, he's just been struggling a bit, but um, he does play well um, on this kind of track generally, and. Um, when when the going gets tough, he is one that you aren't surprised to see pop up at a, at a price. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't put you off there, but at that price, I wouldn't put you off at all. He's had a tenth and a sixteenth here, and you guys mentioned that really hard renewal of the Irish Open. Yeah, and he was on the fringes there as well. I think he was twelfth or something like that. Mm-hmm. That particular, that's where that was the year that uh, Kielchen, Wiesberger, and Pepper were all in the playoff at two under par. That's right, yeah. You wonder whether yeah. somebody who's struggling a little bit to, to get some good scoring going in their game will look at a week like this and think, do you know what? A lot of the you know the field won't be able to get away from me, so if I can just hang on, I'm not playing my best, mm-hmm. but if I can just hang around, make pars, avoid disasters, and sneak the odd birdie or two, I'm not going to be that far away from the top of the leaderboard. You know, but on another week where the scoring is is kind of you know the birdies are more available, but you're struggling to make birdies. You know the it, this the field will yeah. be compressed this week, and it, it might I don't know. It's 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 he was, it's eighth, a, in, he was eighth in that renewal by the way that Irish Open. Yeah. I think I think you're making some sense there, Baron. That sounds like yeah. the, like the old Richard Green school of uh, playing golf. Do you remember Richard Green, the Aussie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, used to just yeah. pop up in grinding tournaments. Yeah, he was tenth in that Irish Open we're talking about, Richard Green. Yeah, but uh, th- I think there is some logic there because players who know that they just don't have the game to go and shoot twenty five under par, par um, will come to a, an event where you know hovering around level par still leaves you in the mix going into yeah. Sunday, mm, and yeah. it, it changes the mentality. They can they can go out and they can make a lot of pars and um, and and stay in touch without having to go and shoot 65 every day and, uh, you know, make a copious amount of birdies. Tongue-in-cheek, I'm a bit surprised Rory McIlroy isn't playing it this week. Yeah, it would have have been a good good track for for Rory, given his recent Mm. comments. Um, Yeah. Nice grind fest. Yeah. Absolutely. Would have blown the uh, betting market out of the uh, the water, mate. (laughs) You'd have been about three to one off. (laughs) Anyone else for you, Barry? Anyone else in that in that Open de France? Um, not really. No. It's, uh, yeah. The, the, yeah. Leaving at that. <laughs> Let's move on to the CJ Cup. Now, the CJ Cup is uh, the third time that the PGA Tour have visited uh, South Korea. Played on Jeju Island. Played on a stunning golf course at Nine Bridges. Um, it's um, a renewal where we've had Justin Thomas and Brooks Kepka win it, so it's clearly an event that where the cream rises to the top. Now the course itself, it's played at three and a half thousand feet in elevation. Uh, it hangs onto the lower slopes of um, Mount Halla 
which is South Korea's tallest mountain. Uh, it features bent grass throughout. Um, it's quite a lush golf course with its island, you know, coastal island position. Uh, and the temperature in this part of South Korea tends to be very Northern European, and we're going to see that again this week, 18 to 20 degrees Celsius. So uh, think, think Northern Europe in terms of conditions this week. Uh, also think probably West Coast America when we come to the West Coast swing. And that link to the West Coast is something a lot of players have mentioned. Uh, lots of mentions that it plays very much like a Californian golf course. Uh, also links into um, Scotland, Glen Eagles. So if you can find players that have played well up in Scotland over the years, I wouldn't put you off that kind of link in either. Uh, it's a relatively short par 72. They've actually extended it by 51 yards for this renewal. But at 7,241 yards as a par 72 with five, uh, four par fives, especially at altitude, it's yeah. a golf course that's very, very gettable. Uh, adding to that the fact that the I think the golf, uh, the, the golf course took on board uh, something crazy like 868 millimetres of rain over the past two and a half months. I think we're going to see a very lush, very green golf course that's, that's potentially... Mad. Going to be quite, re- yeah. That is pretty well. Sometimes, Paul, you look into this and you, you you find out this information, and you do get levels of rain like that in somewhere like Kuala Lumpur. Yeah. The difference yeah. there is, of course, it rains every day, and within half an hour, it's burnt off. Yeah. Yeah. That is the case here. Keep it South nice Korea. and lush, though, shouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. On this golf course, I think you're going to see. I mean, and from the stuff I'm seeing on Twitter already, you know, Phil Mickelson playing practice rounds, it looks very, very green, very, very lush. Mm. Wide fairways. We're talking very, very big bent grass greens, up to 8,000 square feet. I've always got the opinion of it. It always feels to me like uh, the plantation course at Kapalua, where they play the opening um, tournament of champions every year. Over in um, Hon- um, Hawaii, uh, Maui, Hawaii, yeah. yeah. I always get that feel about the golf course. And actually, um, you look at the people that have finished winner here, runner-up here. Brooks Kepka's finished third at Kapalua. Gary Woodland was second last year. We all we all remember he got he got caught on the line by Xander, didn't he? Mm-hmm. This year, Justin Thomas is a winner at Kapalua. And Mark Leishman has had a top five and a top seven at Kapalua. So I think there's a huge link there with that course. Uh, I think other courses it links in well with. At the end of the day, you know, we've got Justin Thomas and Brooks Kepka, the winner um, of the two renewals. They are the last three champions at the, of the PGA Championship. And I think that says a lot. You know, someone that can play well on a stretching... Um, long golf course where risk and reward is is the key, where you've got that firepower off the tee, where you're actually standing on fairways with shorter clubs than a lot of your rivals. Yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't an element of logic there, isn't it? Uh, we've got par fives this week that are at five hundred and fifty, five eighty nine, five fifty four, and five sixty eight yards. So at altitude for long hitters. Yeah. I'd say all of those, probably a, even maybe the ninth at 5.89, they're all very much up for grabs in two shots. 
Yeah. I mean, oh, I, I was watching Brooks Kepka winning last year around here on YouTube. His highlights, and he was hitting. He was hitting. Uh, th- you know, four irons into most of these par fives. Yeah, they're all par fours. Mm. For these big boys, yeah. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at with this. Um, I think there's a real combination here. Brute power. um, High tendency to be aggressive when it comes to going for green. And also a real finesse with the very short wedges within, say, 125 yards. Mm-hmm where you've got the ability to wedge in, make the putt, make birdie. I think that's the that's the critical mix of player that we're looking for this week. And there aren't many of them that have got that capability. You know, that power with an element of finesse as well, yeah. with, with the wedge. And actually, doesn't that just shout PGA Championship to you anyway? It shouts PGA Tour to me, power and wedge. Yeah, the, the, the PGA Championship itself is always set up like that, isn't it? It's always the longer hitters. I'm going back through the stats that you've produced year after year for the PGA Championship. Those those players who can put the ball out there have tended to be the ones who, who perform best. And yeah, you know, they're typically longer tracks, aren't they? They're typically kind of seven five, seven, seven six. Five, but, seven, six yeah. but the characteristics of this one would suggest that um, that power around this course will be what unlocks the par fives and those couple of shorter par fours and if you're going to get yourself up to a kind of a 20 under bracket that I think you're going to be needing this week then then uh, you need to be scoring heavily on those those fives and uh, the couple of short short fours and manage your way around the rest of the course I think I think we're looking macho mambo mate I think we need plenty of uh, I mean Gary Woodland's the perfect example last year isn't he he yeah. came I think he was fifth at the CIMB Classic uh, the week before. He went out in the final group, could have won it, but had a disappointing Sunday. Came here. Um, he's got a great form over in the on the West Coast. This was pre-US Open victory at Pebble Beach. Um, hits the ball a mile. Um, a real green, greens in regulation monster. Someone that's very, very aggressive with the going for green. And he, and he came a very close second to uh, Brooks Kepka. Yeah. I think that really is the kind of player we're looking for. And of course, Woodland was also top 10 this year at the PGA Championship held at Beth Page. If you're looking at courses, I think, that, that actually translate very well this week, Beth Page is a beaut. Beth Page is an absolute beauty. Um, I also think PGA National, where they hold, they hold the Honda Classic, there's a massive correlation there. Um, Ryan Palmer's uh, played very well at the Honda Classic. He was... Um, 150 to one placer here last year. Uh, I don't think Muirfield Village is a bad, uh, bad look uh, uh, track to look in at as well. Also, the Kuala Lumpur uh, tournament they played, the CIMB Classic, which they played at TPC Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, that translates beautifully with Woodland being second there twice. Justin Thomas, the winner here, won there twice, the CIMB Classic. And of course, Mark Leishman, who was runner-up to Thomas here in 2017, guess what? He's won the CIMB Classic at Kuala Lumpur as well. Mm. So for whatever reason, that track, that really correlates beautifully as well. Right, I've gone for three. It's pretty much no nonsense. I think with a severe lack of win this week, uh, this played at nine under par the year Justin Thomas won in 2017. He actually shot nine under par on the Thursday and then held on for grim death for the other 54 holes in tremendously difficult, windy conditions to actually yeah. win at nine under par. Yeah, I remember it. 
Last year, tough, uh, very tough Thursday. I think four under might have been leading it. Might have been five. I know who it was. It was actually the first round leader was Ches Reedy, which goes against everything we've been saying in terms of power. <laughs> but he led at four under 68. It was windy. In the end, though, 21 under par one, and it was Brooks Kepka. I think that the wind is going to be even less of a factor this year. So I think we could see a scenario where to be in those each-way spots, and if you're lucky enough to be punting with Paddy Power this week, you're going to get seven of them. I think you're going to need to be at the, say, 18 to 19 under par kind of level to place. Yeah. I think... I think we need to be in the 20s to actually get the job done this week. Yeah, 22, 23, Murray. Mm, I can definitely see that. Now, I've kept it really simple. Finesse with the wedge, great power play, and and players that have got the ability to really go for those greens with with uh, irons, long irons, and also potentially, you know, utility clubs off the deck. So, my three to follow... I've gone for just Justin Thomas at the top of the market at fifteen to two with Unibet. I just think Thomas is a course winner. Won the BMW Championship in quite moist conditions at uh, at uh, where was it? Val, not Valhalla at uh, Medina at a few uh, in August. Now Medina is an interesting course. Again, that's hosted a couple of PGA Championships. We know that Thomas won the twenty seventeen PGA Championship at. At Quail Hollow, and we also know that he's the winner at Plantation a few years ago for the Tournament of Champions. I just think Thomas is ripe for a win. Uh, I've gone win only four points on Thomas. I can't see him not being a factor at the very top of the leaderboard this week. Uh, I noted after his fifth spot in California a few weeks ago, he said, uh, I just want to try to get to the my game as sharp as possible uh, next week, and then I travel to Korea uh, where I want to get a win or two in Asia. So he's clearly of the right mindset to be wanting to add wins either this week or at the Zozo Championship in Japan next week, which is an absolutely stellar field, by the way. Yep, they've thrown some money at the problem, they Zozo. <laughs> they have. Um, one I couldn't resist, I was surprised by the price. I know he's a course debutant. But this is a guy that's finished 23rd, 1st and 7th on the European Tour, while a lot of these guys have had their feet up doing nothing. Um, and we're talking about linkable tracks, yeah? Well, this individual has won at the Plantation course. He's won the Tournament of Champions. He's finished 2nd uh, at PGA National. He's finished 2nd at Quail Hollow. He's also finished 3rd at Beth Page. Uh, he's also finished second at TPC Kuala Lumpur. Uh, Sergio Garcia. I just think this course, long, moist, um, a course where you can hit tons and tons of greens, also a course where, interestingly enough, uh, both Woodland and Brooks Kepka putted about 1.75 putts per GIR last year to win this. And actually, that kind of makes a level of sense, you know. If you're hitting greens in two or you're getting around greens on the par fives on all of them mm. and you can two-putt or chip and putt the birdie yeah. and then you're making just enough headway on some of the par fours, especially the two drivable par fours here, it doesn't shout putting contest to me. No. And as we know, Sergio's weaknesses is putting, but it was good enough at the KLM Open six weeks ago, or five weeks ago to win. Mm. 
Um, I think he'll I think he'll fall in love with this golf course and play it very nicely indeed. So I've gone two each way with the full seven places, Barry, with Paddy Power, which I think seven places here in a eighty a seventy eight man field is absolutely fantastic value. I really do. And then finally, uh, I've gone for a youngster. Um, it isn't Colin Morikawa. It isn't Victor Hovland. It's Matthew Wolf, who, as we know, um, back last this summer rather, won the 3M Open on his uh, on the PGA Tour on his third professional start. And I just think Wolf is the kind of player that will absolutely love this track. Um, because he only played 29 official rounds on the PGA Tour last season, he doesn't actually um, rank in in the statistics. But if you actually look at his numbers, he would have ranked last season. Uh, it is 10th for driving distance, 7th for birdie average, 10th for going for the green. And if you actually look at his wedge play, he would have been in the top four for proximity, both from 50 to 125 yards, but also from 100 to 125 yards. You can also throw in, he'd be second for proximity from 75 to 100 yards. So I just think Wolf is going to go very, very well on this power track. I would have loved a bigger price than 40 to 1, but I think the bookmakers know that this is the kind of track where he's going to thrive. I think Matthew Wolf in the future... And this could be one for January. He's going to be one of those players that plays the plantation course very, very well for the tournament of champions because he's just yeah. got that brute power. Fun to know. They're, take, they're taking no chances, the bookies, with these these players, are they? They, they know that the, the guard's changing at the moment and uh, these these players, the, the Hovlands, the Wolves, the Morikawas, they are very good, very talented players who aren't afraid to go and win a golf tournament, so. What are, what are your views, Barry, on these youngsters? You you just think they've got no fear, don't you? Yeah, none. I mean, they they the last few years they've been playing against each other. They know they can beat each other, and all it took was one of them to go win a a PGA Tour event or do really well, and the other guys then you know automatically think, oh well, I can beat him, so why can't <laughs> yeah, I can beat him? You know, but like so, if he's won an event, then yeah, I can beat him, so I can win an event, so. Yeah, they've just come through with like this unbelievable confidence, and it's the success of one drives even further success for the others. Um, they're just supreme talents, and really, really exciting to watch as well. And yeah, I don't know whether it's just because they're new and fresh to the tour, but yeah, there's something about the way, um, particularly Wolf and Hovland play, uh, very engaging. I see Morikawa kind of like a maybe like a young Adam Scott, just with that ball striking just being so, so good. But he yeah. seems to have the, uh, maybe potentially has an extra level above uh, Adam Scott. Uh, obviously, that will be, uh, that'll play out over his career. But um, yeah, the three of them are absolutely superb. And I guess the bookies are rightly quoting them at short prices. Um, the only thing, I suppose the difficult thing from our, from a betting point of view is that we don't have course history for them and how they've performed before no. so so you have to draw it's just like, yeah yeah it's, use it's been able to watch them see what their strengths are and then relate that yeah. to course isn't it 
Yeah, and maybe have, um, you know, the course correlations do help, you know. So if we have a couple of courses that they've already played on on the tour that you could link to uh, the course of any given week, I mean, it still requires a little leap of faith because there's some, I guess, uh, unknowns there. But yeah, rightly so. They are short prices and, you know, just as likely to win tournaments as, uh, as some of the other guys. I mean, if you're looking at... Jordan Spieth at the moment, he's been all, you know, had a really, really rough season. He's 22 to 1. You now have Morikawa at the same price. Mm, who who, who are you going to who are you going to put your money on? Yeah. We've also got Victor Hovland at shorter price yeah. than, than Jordan Spieth. It's incredible, isn't it? He's he's actually at the same price point as a Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah. As you say, crazy. they're taking no It's a strange chances. old market you actually look at the top. You've got a lot of good players there in pretty bad nick. And that's why yeah. I thought the thirty to one on Sergio was actually quite a fair price because you've got a player there that's in good nick, has got six Asian tour victories in his Palmares, yeah, so plays well in Asia and he's actually playing some great golf right now and he's at thirty to one. Yeah, where Jason Day hasn't played good golf for a long while and hasn't played golf at all for a number of months at thirty to one, makes no sense to me. Yeah, they just clearly don't fancy Garcia, but um, yeah, as a as a relative value play, I can see I can see the logic, hundred percent. Absolutely. Now, Barry, I know that you've got a price at uh, a decent mid price that you really fancy this week. Mid, mid, it's it's bordering, it's bordering on obscene what price this is for this guy. Uh, in a short field, like I've I've backed him a few times recently. Uh, big fan of his think he's trending towards a, a really great week. Uh, it certainly feels that way. The stats in his game are trending that way. And to get him at 90 to 1, seven places uh, was uh, a treat because I've been backing him in full field events at about that price, uh, 90, 100 to 1. Um, this course seems to, like we've gone through the correlations to Beth Page, the PGA Championship, um and you know the the requirement well not the requirement but the advantage that length has this week and he's certainly not short off the tee harold varner the third um let's go for it i uh, i just uh couldn't resist it all it seems to link up nicely um we should do like a bit of harold varner then i do I've got, yeah. a, I've got a theory on hv3 I think he plays well on softer golf courses. I think he's one of these guys, as Paul and I have discussed over the years, where if you say, if you say to him, I need you to hit it X yards, he can do that. A bit like Rory McIlroy. I think when the ball starts to release with Harold Varner, as it was doing at the Shriners, yeah, because we were on him at the Shriners, weren't we? Mm-hmm. As it was also doing at Greenbrier, when I tipped him up at Greenbrier, the ball was releasing slightly on greens. I think this week you might find that these greens are really receptive and that really does play into his wheelhouse. I think that's a cracking bet, Harold Varner. Wish I'd done it myself now. In <laughs> fact, it's all right. Uh, there's, put, still, there's, still time, there's still yeah, time, Steve. Yeah, I will put a few pennies on it. <laughs> so, yeah. I think, again, Harold Varner, he, uh, you think it through, he does very well at Mayakoba, that course down in Cancun, which is soft, really soft, and you can overpower it. He's got a couple of top sixes there. So I think if Varner doesn't actually go well this week, which I think he probably will, I still think he's a play for that Mayakoba tournament in a few weeks' time. Yeah, I, I think as, I'm just going to as GMAC would be, as we said, as GMAC will be as well. 
Yeah, maybe there's a forecast there. We can pick the one too, you know, and get some really good odds. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm just going to stick with him. I mean, all parts of his game are are in in really good nick at the moment, and yeah. he, he's, he's had a parting well. Yeah, he's had a few. I don't know. Let's say hiccup scores that have just kind of uh, tempered his run through these tournaments, and if you can just eliminate those this week uh yeah he's making more than enough birdies to to get up to those kind of numbers we were talking about a little while ago so hv3 lovely mm. what about you paul yeah i've bet about what well, actually one one in a very similar kind of price range to varna um, and that's luke list who i've taken at 100 to one um He's been showing some nice form, actually, in patches, Luke List. 13 for the Shriners. He shot a third round 63, which piqued my interest that week. Closed with 66 last week, um, and that was beaten just by one player on the on the day. So he's coming into this week with some decent momentum. And, um, you know, with, with List, it's always down to the putter. But I'm interested to hear what you were saying about the potential... Okay, putting average of a player to win this and I think that you know all kind of a mid 1.7 is absolutely in his um, capability and um, going back to the Shriners 22 birdies three eagles he shot in Vegas he wow. was 13 under for the par fives he led the field or co-led the field for par five scoring on the week which I think will translate very well here he was also second for putting average on those bent grass greens which given that he's notoriously bad putter and for him to produce a, a second um, a rank second for putting on that uh, on that on that uh, event really does um, act as an eye-opener for me and um, we talked about the PGA Championship link he was sixth at this year's PGA Championship second Beth going into the Sunday indeed yep. yeah yeah so um, again another also second at the Honda Classic last year I think it was to Justin Thomas that PGA National link so yeah, yeah I get where you're coming from, Win. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to top it all off, he was fifth here on debut in 2017. The only time that he's played, um, he was um, he was in the lead at the halfway point. Shot 68, 67. Was sitting in the lead at the halfway before falling away. But um, you know, clearly a fifth um, that that week that year, um, and a hundred to one. I know there's a lot of good players ahead of him in the field, but um, it does feel like it fits quite nicely um, for someone like List this week. So, so yeah, I'm happy Across to... Across the whole of last season, he was eighth on the PGA Tour for going for the green. So he's yeah. he's perfect, absolutely perfect. Yeah, well, that he kind does, of bomber, I think. He does like to attack the par fives. And as I say, that 13 under for the fives at the Shriners um, is a very tangible stat for this week, I think. Um, the other bet I've placed this week is a an each way double on one of my players and one of yours, which is Ryan Fox and Matthew Wolf for the Fox Wolf each way double. Well, that'd be like a canine. It wouldn't be a canine. Canid double, I think, for Wolf Fox, and we, we'll all be uh, we'll all be barking when it comes in in a couple of. Oh no, time. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> They're about barking, barking howling. Mad. You'd be barking mad not to take that uh, each way double on. <laughs> <laughs> what does that come out with in terms of odds, just for the laugh? Oh, it was uh, it was sixty thousands. to one and forty to one, so just short two thousand five hundred. Yeah. That'll uh, work. That'll you've, been, you've been checking the maximum payout um, <laughs> wordings on the bookmakers, haven't you? Just to make sure you're not you're not sealing. 
I don't want to get myself too excited on a Tuesday morning, Steve. So I'll, I'll, I'll save that one for uh, for Sunday. But yeah, you'll be I howling thought... with delight when that comes in Sunday. <laughs> no, won't you? I will be. You'll be able to hear, hear me howling from <laughs> from where you are, Steve. As a centenary show, wouldn't it be great if you uh, landed a fox, fox wolf, a each fox way double. foxy wolf, each double. way double? Eh? <laughs> You That's should brilliant. probably. I mean, if you did that, you should probably just stop doing the podcast because you're not going to top that. Really, yeah, it's going to take some beating, isn't it? But uh, that would we can be, all dream, guys. We can all dream. You never know. One day it will come in. Gentlemen, it's been an absolute honour and a privilege the uh, last 100 shows with you, gentlemen. And uh, there'll be there'll be plenty more to come. So thank you for both of your input, your efforts, and your time over the uh, last couple of years. It's been fantastic. Also to listeners, we appreciate each and every one of you. Um, the, the amount of downloads that we get, the amount of followers, the amount of uh, quality reviews we get, they continue to grow. And uh, we'll be doing this into 2020, so don't worry about that. So thank you to each and, one of, each and every one of you. Um, gentlemen, I appreciate your time this week as ever. Yeah, best of luck, guys. Best of luck. Cheers, guys. And we'll be back again next week for the Golf Betting System podcast, which will cover the Zozo Championship. There you go. There's another one. The Zozo Championship on the PGA Tour. And uh, we've got, is it the Portugal Masters? Portugal Masters, yeah. Villa Morda next week. Oh, we always like a bit of that. Right, thank you. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.